the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And welcome back. It is Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts this evening. And now, we're going to kind of turn a corner a bit. The uh, the spiritual sorbet, if you will, as we work our way towards the middle of the week. Pastor Tony Sinelli joins us here tonight, and I wanted to discuss something that at least has been on my mind, especially as I get a chance to travel around and visit a variety of churches, I can't help but notice a trend. And it is a trend that tends to scare and concern me a little bit. And hopefully we can make sense of it of all and uh, maybe encourage you and redirect you in the way you think as well. Uh, First off, Tony, hi, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us tonight. Well, thank you, Andy. It's great. It's a blessing to be here. It's always a delight having you around, man. It's It's been a minute for you and I, at, at least, anyway. Um, the a re- long minute. <laughs> a very long minute, man. It's, it's kind of like a dog minute, I think. You know, how many, how many minutes in a dog year or something? Um, one of the things I know you're passionate about, because you, you actually teach this at Cornerstone uh, Bible College and Seminary there in Vallejo, and this is Christ in the Old Testament. Now, I've been anxious and excited to get you on board for a while because this has been, and and I'll just kind of let you lay the foundation for this, I am noticing a lot of churches, especially in America, who seem to think that it's New Testament only and we really don't need the Old Testament. And that's a huge danger, isn't it? Well, I would doubt that somebody would actually say that that's a... A major problem because the Lord Jesus himself said that he came to fulfill all that had been spoken about him. So, wow. I mean, so if you throw away the Old Testament, yeah, so to speak, right, then it makes us hard to understand how we identify Jesus as the Christ, the one who came to fulfill. So that's that would be a big problem. There are probably a lot of reasons for it, but yeah, that's a, a big problem. Well, and, and really, I, you think about it, I, I, I could probably just within the first couple of minutes n- name a handful of, a- and some fairly well-known churches who would, will say, ah, well, yeah, we know the Old Testament is there, but we're just not going to teach it from the pulpit. It's just not a concern of ours because we are New Testament believers. What are mm-hmm. some of the dangers that come along with that kind of thinking? Well, there's several. Well, uh, you know, I think understanding that uh, that Christ is spoken of in the Old Testament, that the that the Old Testament is a book that uh, created the expectation for the Messiah, uh, is the best way to understand the Bible uh, as a whole. In other words, if the Old Testament is predicting the Messiah, then the New Testament is demonstrating how Jesus is the one fulfilling 
uh, what the Old Testament said. So it just it, it becomes critical to being able to see Christ, not just where we find him directly revealed in his having come physically to this earth, but in the Old Testament and understanding what he himself said. I mean, one of the critical passages, Andy, in the New Testament that provides us with what we need to know about the Old Testament in regards to this question that you're bringing up is probably Luke 24. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Dan. Oh, the, yes, uh, I am. The road, uh, the road to Emmaus. And just for our listeners' benefit, you know, what Luke is recording here is a conversation that occurred between the resurrected Christ, Jesus, and a couple of the disciples, and then later the apostles themselves. And what happened was after his death, they were troubled, as you know, and confused. And, and they were walking to the city of Emmaus, and uh, Jesus appears to them, but they don't recognize him. And they're, you know, they're bemoaning the fact that they had put their hope in him, and uh, yet here he gets crucified. And, and then it says there in Luke that he spoke to him. He says, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoken and hmm. then then he says was it not necessary that the christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory or in other words and then enter into his glory and then luke goes on to say that beginning with moses and the, all the prophets uh, the bookends as it were the whole bible old testament he interpreted or explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So what he's saying is that if you don't understand from your Old Testament that this the Old Testament concerned Jesus and it concerned in particular his sufferings and his resurrection, then you're foolish and you're slow of heart. You're slow of heart to believe uh what God has spoken through the prophets and the other writers there in the Old Testament. And there's more there of course that happens um, if you don't mind my going on for a moment. Oh, by uh, all means, yeah. I don't know. That's why we've yeah, got you here tonight, brother. We need okay, clarification. Well, what, happened is, <laughs> what happened after that is, you know, uh, he opened their hearts to understand it was him. They recognized him as they stopped for a meal together, and and then their hearts were burning with us, and it says they're burning within them. Uh, Luke records that they they reflected on this for a moment and said, "Did not our hearts burn within us while we while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures?" So there you have it. He when he opened the scriptures to them, and what scriptures would he be talking about, Andy? The only ones well, available the at the time. Yeah, the Old Testament. Exactly the Old Testament. He opened the scriptures to them, and their hearts were burning from within. And what was he telling them about? It? About the fact that the Messiah, in the Old Testament, it was made clear that he was to suffer first before entering into glory, and that this was touched upon in some way in all the scriptures. Well, then later he appears to the group of the apostles when they were meeting in, the, uh, in a room, and uh, they had heard from these two, of course, and there was doubt about that, but suddenly he appeared to them. And uh, if you remember there, he, he told them, see my hands, my feet, touch me, you know, what have you, and and uh, he even ate a, a piece of boiled fish, fish in their, pr their presence. It convinced them this was a, a corporeal, bodily resurrection that they were seeing. Then he said, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, 
that everything written about me in the Law of Moses and the Prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, what he touches upon there, Andy, are the the three, um, we we say, types of literature in the Old Testament to them. The the Law of Moses, right, the Pentateuch, uh, the Prophets, all the prophetic writings, and then the Psalms, or we would say the wisdom literature, that all these things written about me in the Law of Moses, the Prophets, Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then it says in verse 45, I'm still in Luke 24, verse 45, it says, then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. In other words, he, he gave them at that moment a direct revelatory experience of the significance of what he had just said, which he had just told them, that, that all these things were were about me. It was the, This has been speaking about me. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures, and he said to them, thus... It is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And as you know, Andy, he promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. um, who would come upon them with power. And so what we have here, what we have here is the Son of God, after his resurrection, the Christ, teaching the disciples, and then opening their their hearts and minds to understand that the Old Testament was written about him and what they've witnessed in these events of his, you know, the last week or so was all that the, the prophets were getting at and all the writings were getting at. And then having opened their minds to comprehend it, these are the men who went on to write our New Testament. So, and they go on and they write with the same sort of interpretive grid that they received from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So it's tremendously important. I think I may have gone further than your question you asked, but you were talking about what, I think you asked me, what what do we lose? What do we stand to lose, right? Right, Uh, yeah. No, no, you're, you're, you're spot on the money, Tony, and I appreciate it. And that's a great way to kick off our time together this evening here on Lifeline. We're going to take a quick time out, but when we come back, I want to continue looking at, uh, a couple of other factors in all of this, because there are so many ways people do approach the Old Testament. Uh, and it's, it, it, it's almost like we're, we're stepping off a curb without realizing the curb is there, right? And we're missing out on so much that is there in the Old Testament. So we'll explore that on the other side of the break. My guest tonight here on Lifeline is Pastor Tony Sinelli from Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill, also one of the professors on staff over at uh, Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo. We're going to take a quick time out off to check traffic at the KFAX Traffic Center. And now, from our Northern Command studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts this evening. My guest is uh, Pastor Tony Sinelli from Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill. Also uh, one of the professors on staff who actually teaches Old, Old Testament, Christ in the Old Testament, at Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo. And that's precisely what we're talking about. Uh, as, as we mentioned, Tony, before the, the, the commercial break, one of the things that I'm passionate about, and I know you are too, 
is the fact that as believers in Christ, when we limit, and I use that word with great intentionality, when we limit ourselves to the New Testament only. And there are churches that do this. I know I know believers who, well, I just want to believe in Jesus. Now, I'm a New Testament Christian. And we lose so much of the heritage and richness and deeper understanding of the New Testament when we tend to forsake the Old Testament, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. That's the case. We look at the Old Testament, and in my mind, and you can I'll let you kind of expand this a little bit, mm-hmm. there are a variety of ways that we can approach the Old Testament with a view to finding Christ. Obviously, there mm-hmm. are those Grand Canyon views. There are those... Well, we see Jesus in the theophanies, in the theophanies, he stands before uh, Joshua. We see a type of Christ in, say, Daniel or Joseph. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. those Grand Canyon views. How would you encourage or recommend somebody to approach the Old Testament with a view to finding Christ? What would you, what would you say to that person? Oh, that's a very good question. And we go over this in the class. Quite a bit because I'm, you know, as you understand, I'm I'm helping equip uh, future pastors and preachers right. of the gospel. Uh, and first of all, I try and help them. I try to help dissuade some of their difficulties, some of their doubts, or some of their their struggles. Um, one of them is is, is is this: helping them understand that when we say that that uh, we need to understand the Christocentricity of the Old Testament or of the Bible as a whole. And when we quote Luke 24, as I just did, and, and Jesus there himself says that this is about me, uh, it doesn't mean that Christ is embedded in every verse in some sort of uh, code. Right. Uh, it, it doesn't mean that we, uh, we're, we're doing some kind of uh, interpretive gymnastics to, to force Christ into the text. Um, I try and help them understand several principles. Um, one of them that they need to appreciate is that if you believe the Bible uh, is to be understood in its own context, in its historical context, well then, and 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 we're we're told we should you know, study a text in this context and move out from the sentence to the paragraph to what the book is about and so forth. They can't forget the final context, and the final context is the entire Bible, what we call the canon. Right, and it's in that it's in that context of which Jesus is saying, "This book is about me." Well, he spoke the same thing in the Gospel of John to the Pharisees when he says, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have life." Well, that sounds right. But what he means is in, that you think that in your mastery of them and your ability to quote them all and, 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 and enumerate the commandments, et cetera, that you have life in that. And it's these that speak of me, mm-hmm. but you won't come to me that you may have life. So Jesus is telling us that we should understand what they would have been studying, the law and the prophets and so forth, as, 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 as fitting into the larger context, which is a book, which is a revelation about Jesus Christ. Now, in what way does my text I'm looking at in the Old Testament, is it, is, is it contributing to this narrative or story that is about Christ? Well, there's some that are going to be very direct. You, you call them Grand Canyon passages. Well, yeah, we, 
there's a discussion about how many passages are are direct messianic prophecies. You know, in other words, this equals that. That's in the right. New Testament. Right. When um, remember, Andy, when Jesus comes riding on a donkey's foal, right, and yeah. into into Jerusalem. We just had the Palm Sunday not too long ago. Well. It, what Matthew says when he writes that, he says, this was to fulfill what was written by the prophet there. So what he's saying is this event equals that event. There's a direct one-to-one correspondence here of a prophecy. But there's so much more in the Old Testament. So, for example, I will tell them when you, you look for Christ in various titles that he is given— uh, we understand we're, we're talking here about a royal figure who is anointed. He is a Messiah, anointed one. He's a royal figure. He's going to be uh, in the line of David and so forth. He's given various titles. When you see these titles, it's talking about Christ. It's pointing to him. Um, you know, titles such as the servant of the Lord, um, you know, and various others that are the, 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 the branch Holy One, uh, on and on it goes. When we see those, know that you're talking about Christ. Well, then we're also, Andy, if if we believe as Christians in in the Trinity, we believe that God is one in one sense, in his essence, but he's uh, three in another sense, in his persons. And while there's to be a differentiation between the persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, when we see... Uh, characteristic, uh, divine attributes, we can know that those apply to the person of Christ. Uh, he, because he shares those divine attributes as well. Uh, another, another way to, to see Christ is in typology. Um, that, I, that's a subject that, uh, you know, not everyone is familiar with, um, Typology is, is a symbol that we say that may represent uh, a, a, it could be a person, an event, a thing, an institution, such as the sacrificial system or the temple and its furnishings, uh, that point uh, to uh, a later reality. And Isaac, it, for example. Yes, yeah, for example. I mean, we have persons, yeah. right, like, like Adam, and then Jesus is called by Paul the, the second Adam. Right. Uh, you have da- we have David, and we know that Christ is the greater David. And then you have events such as the Passover, and then Paul says Christ is our Passover lamb, and uh, the temple, and and so forth. So yeah, correct. With with typology, there's going to be an escalation between the type and the and what's called the antitype. You know what what it what it fulfills. Uh, there, so we find types. That is another way Andy is seeing Christ. Then there's also symbols. Uh, a symbol, um, a symbol, in itself has no essential reference to time, and so uh, a symbol was is designed to represent represent some character, some reality, or an office, or. Quality and that symbol would have an immediate meaning to the people uh, in the original context. If you know what I mean, a, a meaning. If you have a a person who's a type, let's say uh, David, uh, w- w- to find the the fullest meaning, understanding of the importance of that, we have to come to the antitype, which is Christ the greater David. But in a symbol, 
let's say, the Passover, the Passover symbol, that also had an immediate uh, application to these people, the reality of an atonement, a, 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 a being passed over through a substitute. Um, right there you have, again, a, a, a tremendous picture of Christ. So there's various ways to see Christ in the Old Testament. It's not all just direct prophetic statements. Um, it's in titles. It's in the attributes of God. And it's in what the what maybe that book itself is about. Right. And what it con- conveys we find the greater fulfillment of those realities that those Old Testament passages are conveying. We find them in Christ. You know, I think, Andy, unfortunately for too many, uh, the, the Old Testament has begun just uh, become just a, a source of illustrations for New Testament teaching. Yeah. Uh, or, yeah. Or second, yeah, here's an example, here's an example. Or secondly, a source of ethics and uh, moral examples. Uh, and maybe some or, uh, historical uh, context, and that's about it. Yeah, and the historical information that can, that can seem very interesting is biblical. It's true, you know, this archaeological realities and the history of Israel and so forth. All these things are there, and they're all true. But what, what Jesus is telling his disciples, and I think we need to appreciate, is that why were these written? Well, they weren't written to make an interesting, you know, Israeli study class. Right. They were, they were written to contribute to the revelation of the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who he is, and he has come to fulfill what all these things we're saying and pointing to. Wow. And yeah. So we need to develop we need to develop eyes and ears for finding well, Christ. Well I tell you what, Tony, let's put a let's put a bookmark right there and when we come back we'll uh, talk about how to develop that a little bit further and why it's important. We need to take another quick time out. Tony Sinelli is my guest tonight. He is the pastor of Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill. Also, the uh, professor, the the esteemed professor of Old Testament, Christ in the Old Testament at Cornerstone Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo. Quick time out. We're off to the KFAX Traffic Center for a check of your commute. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. And we're back. It's Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts this evening. My guest is Pastor Tony Sinelli, Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill. And we're talking about the significance of the Old Testament, why it matters, why you and I as believers in Christ need to have a very healthy diet of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, for centuries, this was the only available source of revelation of God to the saints. Um, mm-hmm. This is something that our New Testament authors relied exclusively on to, to mm-hmm. give us the New Testament. Now, Tony, you mentioned just before the break, the fact that this is this is something that we've lost and we need to redevelop, and I, you know, as I, I, I know, there's listeners out there. I was one of them at one point in time. Okay, so how do I do this? All right, if Christ is there, if it's important that I see Him, if there are reasons I need to see Him, how do I do that? And I, you know, um, two things at least come to mind when I think about this. Now, I'll, I'll give them to you, and then I'll let you expound on them and run with them all right number one okay i go i go to the song of solomon where uh 
Mm-hmm. Uh, she is saying that she's that my beloved is hiding. And it's this mm-hmm. this lover's hide and seek. He's hiding, but for the purpose of wanting to be found. And she is just longing to find him. It's that kind of heart, I believe, that we need to come to when it comes to Christ in the Old Testament. I think mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of equate that a little bit that, OK, well, Jesus is there. But like my lover, he is hiding amongst the trees, hoping I'll find him. And then add to that. Uh, the one-two punch, if you will, if we're going to find Christ in the Old Testament, prayer has to be such a key part of this, doesn't it? We need to ask mm-hmm. him, don't we? Show yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think about where we're told in various passages, both by Jesus and then in the letter to the, to the churches at Revelation, I'll let him who has ears to hear, yeah, may he hear, he have eyes to see and understand. Uh, I think I think, Andy, that when you use the illustration there, the example of the Song of Solomon, you're talking about a lover there, is you you have a passion for this individual. Yeah. And so there's a longing and a desire. So that's one of the key ideas here is is having a desire for an intimate knowledge of our Lord, an intimate knowledge of our Savior, uh, and, and, and not just Christian, you know, ethics, uh, Christian doctrine, teaching, all of which is essential, but uh, having a passion for Him and to know Him and to be known by Him and draw near to Him. Um, I think that passion develops over time, of course, and ultimately it's a work of the Spirit in our hearts, but we're told to pursue Him uh, and to seek Him with, with all our hearts. Here's an idea of how important it is in the New Testament uh Paul says um, that we, in comparison to those who read the Old Testament and think of the Old Testament, but strictly through the lens of the law. I mean, this is a broader discussion, but I'll just leave it there. In other words, they they come to the Old Testament without the Christological comprehension, uh-huh. right? Right. He, he says, he says, it's like a veil lies over their hearts, right? But when yeah. you turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. And then he says, we all, he's talking here about we who are Christians who have the Spirit within us, right? We all, with an unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. Let's say, using your Song of Solomon uh, connection, beholding the glory of our loved one, mm. our Savior. Yeah. He says, we all, with, we, with, with an unveiled face now, are beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. In other words, we're becoming what we're beholding. The more we understand Christ for who He is, the more we're conformed into His image, as Paul says in Romans. That's part of what our life is about, is being conformed into the image of His Son. This is happening from one degree of glory to another, and all this comes from the Lord, the Spirit, he says. So there you go back to the importance of this, um, because the more we see Christ and understand Christ, and understanding the Old Testament, revealing him to us, pointing uh, him, uh, him out to us, preparing us for understanding more about him, the more we become like him. So that's that's a key uh, a key there that that needs to be appreciated. And then and then developing this idea of you know how do we develop our eyes for this to. Well, it's like, it's like looking, going back to your thing about the lover, looking for a character in a drama, let's say, and okay. it's like a narrative, yeah. right? Yeah. You, 
you need to know something about the character, let's say, and enough to therefore identify him. But what will help you identify him is to know what the play is about. And so where we start, where one of the, one of the, the, the lectures I go through, well, actually several lectures with the students there, and we do it at our congregation, we, we, we do a, a discipleship class on this, is on the narrative of the Bible. And I think that's where a whole lot of people have lost this, Andy, where they've looked at the Old Testament that you said. It's, it's something else, like a, a tool for some things, but it's, you know, really it's all, uh, we want to go straight to Jesus in the New Testament. Well, it's, it's a whole book, you see. Yeah. And the reason it's a whole book is that, is that there's a, we believe in dual authorship. Yes, these books were written by men, but ultimately there's an author behind each one of these authors, and that is God. And he has given us the narrative from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and and pe- when people understand the narrative of the Bible as a whole, then they begin to s- have eyes and ears for the central character of the narrative. When you understand what the narrative is about. In other words, when you understand what role the, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, etc., is playing in the narrative, then you can better uh, have eyes and ears to identify how this is relating to the promised one, to the seed from Genesis 3.15, for example. So that's one key idea, I think, Andy, is when we is studying what's uh, what's called biblical theology, that doesn't doesn't mean theology that is correctly biblical. That's that's one way of using it. So so when we take take Cliff uh, McManus's uh, class at Cornerstone, this Mm -hmm. sets it up for you, right? (laughs) <laughs> yes, there you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, because these things, they're important. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And so with with that said, you know, once you understand the narrative, then you're able to to look for the characters. And the main character is the Lord. And he's he's depicted in various ways. And so I begin to have those ears and, and the eyes for him, the prophet to come, right? The one who is de- will be declared the son of God. Uh, in Psalm 2, the one who was born in Bethlehem, and in Micah 5.2, and the one who's going to be the heir of the throne of David, and how uh, promise and Isaiah and, and promise before in, in Samuel. So you you begin to read the Bible, not looking for helpful tidbits for life, but you begin to read the Bible as stages of the developing story of the promised one. Uh, and now yeah. I'm now I'm looking for him. I want to see him. I want, I want to um, know him better, because the more I know him, the more I become like him by the grace of God. All right. With that, that's going to set the stage for our final segment together, Tony, where it, uh, I, want, I, I want our listeners to understand why this is so important as it relates to how they, how they see the New Testament. In other words, our New Testament authors uh, relied so much on the Old Testament. So if we're going to understand more fully the New Testament, we need to see the foundation of the Old Testament that they used for this New Testament document. Uh, and, and, and then further still, not only that, but why the Christ had to suffer. Uh, the broad, the broad brush strokes of the Old Testament give us 
a serious look at the necessity of the suffering of the Messiah. So let's put a bookmark right here. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. My guest is Pastor Tony Sinelli. He is the pastor at Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill, also professor of uh, Christ in the Old Testament at Cornerstone uh, Bible College and Seminary in Vallejo. Quick time out, off to pay some bills and over to the KFAX Traffic Center for another look at your commute. And now, from our Northern Command Studios, back to Lifeline with Andy Froyland. We are back. It is Lifeline. Andy Froyland in for Craig Roberts. We're all things Old Testament tonight with Pastor Tony Sinelli from Grace Bible Church in Pleasant Hill. Uh, by the way, Tony, uh, website, mm-hmm. what is the website for the church? I've been remiss in, in passing that along. Yeah. The website for our church is Grace for us that's not the number four but the word grace for us dot org dot org all right we'll pass that on again at the close of the program grace for us dot org uh if you want if you want to know more about pleasant hill grace bible church in pleasant hill so very good uh org Make sure you get the org, O-R-G, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, O-R-G, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so, brother, uh, as we kind of close things up a bit uh, on the Old Testament here tonight and just um, mm-hmm. giving our listeners uh, an understanding of why it is so important to make sure mm-hmm. that our our spiritual intake, our, our Bible diet is extremely balanced. Uh, we're just mm-hmm. not plucking the fruit off of the New Testament, but we're diving into the meat and the mashed potatoes of the old as well. Um, mm-hmm. As mentioned just before the break, it is important to have a good grasp of the Old Testament if we are to fully take advantage of what's available for us in the New Testament, aren't we? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a profound connection between the two, as we've already uh, stated. That um, Explain for us, if you will, how that really benefits us. Give us an example of, of an understanding of the Old Testament, helping us to understand more fully what we're reading in the New. Hmm. Well, let's see. Um, the part, I think, is that um, that becomes clear when, when you read the Old Testament over and over and over, and you again, you're working through the narrative, so I'm talking through sort of larger pictures, right? God, right. Um, God uh, creates, and God's a good God. He provides everything that's needed. Uh, man falls into sin, and this uh, results in alienation, separation from God, and uh, and the promise of His judgment is what remains. But God enters into promise in Genesis three fifteen immediately that there would come a seed, a male, a seed, a descendant of the woman who would crush the head of the source of this deception, Satan. Um, and so we have the promise. Uh, then this promise gets expanded. Uh, it gets expanded through through Abraham. Again, we're taking large swaths here, right, Andy? You bet, so, yeah. yeah. Um, it jumps to Abraham. We're told there through the Abrahamic covenant that uh, all the nations, all the people eventually be touched and blessed through this seed, this this coming one, this seed of, of Abraham. Uh, then as the covenant gets more and more information added to it and more more and more um i guess we would ask phases of it, this of the covenant so you introduce the 
the, the Mosaic Covenant layered on top of the Abrahamic. It doesn't undermine it. It just introduces us into the creation of, of Israel um, as God's servant in the world. Uh, what happens is what we see over and over, beginning all the way in earlier part of Genesis to the end, is God's need to save his people, save his promise, and he brings it about in the context of judgment. And so there's a judgment of sin that still leads to hope and promise because God is an unchanging God and God has is is committed, he's faithful to his promises. In fact, one of my um one of my professors at uh, at uh, Southern Seminary when I studied there in biblical theology, James Hamilton He's written his what he's called his biblical theology, his summation of what the Bible is about, right? Mm-hmm. And he calls it God. He calls God's he calls it God's glory in salvation through judgment. His glory in salvation revealed through judgment. So you have let's take the flood for example, right? Yeah. What what happened? There was there was a, there was sin yet again. A descendant of Adam. It, it, once again, there's there's wrong. So sin, and so God judges. But through this judgment, He brings about salvation, and there is greater hope. There's an expansion of the promise, and so this repeats itself throughout the Old Testament. Uh, and uh, Dr. Hamilton makes a good argument there, whether or not one agrees that this is the whole central focus of the Bible, or the best way to sum it up. He makes a great argument that, at the very least, you can see it over and over, Andy, in the Old Testament. Salvation through judgment. And you see that in the history of Israel over and over. You, got, you have the Exodus, you know, and you have, on and on it goes. And the events that are, that, are, that are associated to the acts of God in the Old Testament. Well, this this sets us up for understanding the nature of the servant of the Lord from Isaiah, uh, from the passages in, in Isaiah, the songs of the servant, their servant songs, that the servant is the one who is going to ultimately bring about God's glory in salvation through the judgment which he will take upon himself for God's people. But to me, it, it just sets up our deeper grasp of what Christ experienced for us and what it's all about in the New Testament. If I can make that analogy or make that connection. Go ahead, Andy. I'm sorry to... Oh, no. I would, you know, I was just thinking, you know, something simple. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We all love yes. that verse. We plaster it on our bumper stickers. We we, we hold up mm-hmm. placards at the end zone. We, you know, we, we recite this thing ad nauseum, but unless you understand that redemptive paradigm that we see over and over mm-hmm. again and again in the Old Testament, um, man, once you get that command of the Old Testament, this verse takes on a whole new meaning, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, instead of just a, you know, a small little creek running down uh, the side of a hill, we get the Grand Canyon with this verse, don't we? Absolutely. You begin to see what Christ endured and what God the Father, how, how great his love is that he would give unspeakably he would give his own soul only begotten son who dwelt in the bosom of the father intimacy for an eternity gave him to absorb the wrath again salvation through judgment Mm. to absorb the wrath 
that 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 we deserve, and this is all to His glory, as as Paul says that God was reconciling the world to Himself through His Son, the cosmos, through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ, and all that becomes very clear, you know, clearer yeah. to us. Let's yeah. put it that way when we when we have that. Let's call it like a th- Old Testament three D depth to it. You know? It does. It, Suddenly, it, yeah. It, add to that. What, what What do we have? About uh, three thousand thirty eight hundred uh, 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 years in the Old Testament. That's the span. Four thousand, maybe. And mm-hmm. over over that entire span, all we see from the human side of this equation is failure after failure after failure after failure. After after failure and God's everlasting faithfulness to keep a hold of that promise that he continually holds out that in the fullness of time this will happen and it does and now as New Testament believers we have something that is seriously robust that we can stand on don't we absolutely that just makes it um well, as I put it, it's the, you know, it's, it's, it's seeing, it's, it's, it's the light gets turned on, um, in such a way that you have a deeper appreciation for the whole point of the gospel. Wow. And which you just hit upon. So mm. it, it's, it delight moves from being dimmer for us. If all we have is a New Testament sort of flat understanding of it, yeah. it, it becomes brighter and brighter and deeper and deeper. And suddenly the Bible becomes, you know, 4K. And we see, <laughs> uh, we see what, 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 it's, what it's all really, really been about and how great the love of God is because of the measure of wrath that Jesus mm. endured and, and so forth. So, yeah, there's just... All around, Andy, it's a great subject. One of my favorite subjects, just please to our listeners, you know, to at the very least, least consider, you know, to, to consider trying to understand the Bible as an entire narrative, uh, being a story about Christ, and begin to uh, begin to read it in that light, and it'll begin to lead you in the right direction, I think. One minute left. What one book, if you could give us one book, our listeners, one book, to uh, maybe read to help inspire them on this journey of incorporating the Old Testament into their reading. What book would you recommend? Wow! Now, yeah, you're pressing me there. <laughs> I, 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 ten I, books, I just, ten know, books, got, maybe but I got, one. I, 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 yeah, I've got the book disease. You know, I got the book disease, and so I, I got so many of them. I'll tell you what. I, 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 I can give a couple of starter books. How's that? Sure. Um, and so I'm going to. I'm trying to give books that will be easily digestible. So there's one which is written by uh, Dr. Walter Kaiser Jr. And it's called The Messiah in the Old Testament. The Messiah in the Old Testament. Okay. And uh, he will there make the point that um, we do find Christ in the Pentateuch and the Minor Prophets, and we find him in the Psalms and so forth. I think that's a good introduction. So it's not going to be a uh, uh, an evaluation of the narrative of the Bible as a whole, but it is going to be an introduction into the concept or the idea that, you know, the Old Testament is a messianic book. Uh, Something that'll so that's, whet the appetite. Yeah, that that should whet, whet the appetite. But right. beyond that, they should get them, their hands on a good, you know, a good solid introduction to the Bible as a narrative. Uh, maybe Don Carson's book, 
I forget the title of it there. It's, I think, The God Who Is There, and that traces the entire the narrative of the Bible, and I think is very readable as well. All right. Well, brother, we are out of time. It just rips by when you've got a subject like this. We, we need to sit down and do this again, and maybe we'll just devote two hours to it next time. But yeah, uh, I want to thank you for spending time with us tonight. You're welcome. It's a joy to do so. Uh, could there be a greater subject? No, <laughs> no. there really can't. This is wonderful. Pastor you, Tony, Andy. you betcha. Pastor Tony Sinelli from Grace Bible Church, Pleasant Hill, graceforus.org is their website. Stop by and check it out. I think you'll find some, uh, some really encouraging content there on their website. Thank you for your ears, uh, uh, Mr. Nate on the other side, engineering this thing, and Wanda Sanchez, our producer. Until next time, God bless. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. We'll be right back.